0: Gateway. It's great to be with you again. We are carrying on in our series through Exodus and we're going to be looking at the tabernacle today in chapters 25 through to 27. I hope that you've picked up in this second half of the book of Exodus as we've got going in it that God doesn't simply save us from slavery to sin and death, that He didn't simply save Israel out from slavery to Egypt, but in fact, he saved them for a purpose, a promise, and a place that all nations would be blessed through them, that they would have numerous uh, uncountable descendants, and that he said, I'll be your God, and you will be my people, and he promised them a land that he would bring them to a place that is a wonderful inheritance. I think that sometimes uh, some of us maybe think of the Christian life as, well, I've made it through the Red Sea. I've been rescued from sin and death. I'm free. I sing a song. I'm done. God save me. That's it. Job done. But what we fail to remember is that in the rest of Exodus, so this moment when they were rescued, verse chapter 14, there's still another 26 chapters to go. And I wonder that for some of us sometimes, We forget that God is still writing many more chapters in our life, that he has also for us a purpose, a promise, and a place that he wants to bring us to. And the rest of the story of Exodus is all to do with God's desire to make himself known and to dwell with his people, that they may know him, and follow him, and trust him, and obey him in everything. So God begins to give the people all kinds of laws that touch into every facet of life, because holiness affects every part of creation and life. And we've seen that over the last two weeks. And being a follower of Jesus means that that should be transforming every area of our lives because as God brings the work of his kingdom and his holiness into our lives, every facet of our life as followers of Jesus also needs to be transformed. And then today we're going to see that God begins to give instruction to Moses and the nation about building a tabernacle, which is a a dwelling place, a sanctuary for his presence in their midst and much of the rest of Exodus now is about the building and commissioning of this house for God. I I know that many of us find the architectural bits of the Bible boring and the law sections of the Bible boring. We don't quite know what to do with them or how they relate to us. Who cares what a tent looks like and, and how what went on in it and how it functioned. Last year I had the privilege of Uh, with the family of seeing the Sagrada Familia Basilica in Barcelona, this incredible cathedral that Antonio Gaudi designed 140-odd years ago. Um, Just a remarkable building in the middle of Barcelona and that is still being built today. And this building, every facet of it, from both the outside and the inside, is telling a story. Every, Every facade, every column, every section of it is telling a story of the Bible from creation through to Jesus returning new heavens and earth and the gospel and the fall. It, every part of the Bible really is being told in the most remarkable way in this building. If you ever get the chance to go and look at it, can I urge you to do so? Don't you look at it from the outside, but go in. Even the kids were in awe of this place. In the same way, every detail of the tabernacle, although we read these bits and we kind of want to get through them, we're not quite sure what to do with them, every detail, every object, every, uh, the, the 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 movement through the tabernacle tells us something of the story of the Bible, the story of the gospel, the way back home to God. And so we would do well just to take a moment to look at it, to look at the journey through the tabernacle in the same way As Sagrada Familia tells a story from the building, so too the tabernacle tells us a story of how we dwell with God and how Israel was to dwell with a holy God in their midst. So we're going to pick up in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, and read about the establishing of the tabernacle. We're actually going to jump pretty quick to chapter 40 because it's a much more condensed version of chapters 25 through to 27. But can I encourage you after this just to read through, take your time and read through chapters 25 to 27. Let's start at 25 25 verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose hearts prompts them to give. Verse 8, then have them make me a sanctuary and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Jump to Exodus 40, chapter, uh, verse 16. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent, just as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. And then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed a table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain and set out the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used to wash their hands and feet, used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Amen. All of those elements, those objects that Moses placed inside of the tabernacle that we've just read about communicate something of us of how God's people are to have God dwell in their midst. They all communicate a story. They are all telling us something of the way back to God, just in the same way that Gaudi's Cathedral tells a story. And so I'd love us just for a moment to go on a journey through the tabernacle and see how we are to approach the presence of God and to dwell with God. And as we do so, you will see that in actual fact, it is a journey through the gospel. There are so many similarities for the people of Israel as there are in our story. I hope you remember that we've said all the way through this series that the story of Exodus is also our story. But the story for us is far more beautiful and it's a far better story as we will see in a moment. So let's start at the outside bit, the court, zone one. If you've got the pictures in your Bible, you can flick to it and bring and look at the picture of the tabernacle so you can visualize it in your mind. So you start, you come through the entrance into the courtyard. Um, if you're somebody in Israel and you, you bring your offering, your sacrifice, an animal or some grain to the priest to bring it to God so that you can uh, find atonement, sacrifice for... Uh, your sin and washing and purification, because that's how you remain part of the people of Israel, God's people at this time. And right in front of you, as you came into the, into the tabernacle, there would be an altar, a bronze altar in front of you, and the priest would take your offering, and they would inspect your offering to check that it was without defect, it was blemish-free and worthy of being sacrificed. They weren't inspecting you, as the one who bought the inse- uh, insect, the one who bought the uh, offering, they they were inspecting the offering. They weren't interested in your moral character. Moral character, everybody knows our moral character is no good. But they were inspecting the animal, and if it was worthy, they would kill it on the altar, and then they would burn the carcass and the blood, and the and the fragrance of the animal would be pleasing to God, a pleasing aroma, and. That's how you found atonement for sin. You bought the best that you had because God is worthy of the best you have. And once you had done that, once you brought your offering in, that's it, you're done. You're, you're finished as a, as a typical Israelite. That's your job. That's your duty. You fulfilled the sacrificial law. Um, you, you're free to go. But you never got to go into the tent itself. You never got to enter into the holy place, let alone the most holy place. And what would happen is that the priest, they would wash themselves, their hands and feet, and then they would take the blood from your animal and they would sprinkle it over the altar and then take some and sprinkle it in various points across the tabernacle, over the, the door coverings in particular. And they would be able to enter into the holy place, zone two, if you like, as they went into the tent. And as they went into the tent, on their right-hand side would be a table with some bread on it, the table of presents that signified the, the provision of God for his people, his generosity in, 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 in being his people. And in front of them was an, uh, was an altar of incense where uh, fragrance, incense would be burnt, and the fragrance, the aroma from it would fill the temple. And this symbolized the prayers of the people. And then to their left was a, was a, a lampstand in the shape of a tree with branches, seven uh, candles on top of it, burning and, and being a tree of life, like in the Garden of Eden, symbolizing that and the life of God and the life that comes into the people of God and into creation. And the role of the priest in this was to, to represent the people before God in his presence. And so the priests will get to go in and pray on behalf of the people and make sure that the lamps were burning and that the bread was being uh, eaten and changed over regularly as God instructed them to do. And this is what the priests were able to do. They were allowed into this holy place, zone 2, and to enter in. But the priests then couldn't go into the most holy place, zone 3, Um, they were not allowed in except for one time in the year. On one day of the year, one priest, the high priest, was allowed to enter in to the most holy place on the day of atonement. They were allowed to go through the curtain, past the curtain that separated the people of God from God's manifest presence. And they were able to go. And stand in the presence of God on behalf of their nation. And in the into the most holy place, if you were able to go behind the curtain, you would basically see this: a room, a small room, with the Ark of the Covenant in it, a box that contained the Word of God, the stone tablets, this this ark. This golden box on poles was the throne of God that contained the word of God. And on top of it was this lid, the mercy seat of God with these cherubim angelic beings on top. And and hovering between them was the manifest presence of God from which God would speak to Moses. His manifest glory in the holy of holy. The the ark of the mercy seat um, is the place that God encountered, he meets human beings inside the most holy place, but only on one day of the year and only for one guy, the high priest. And this is how for year after year, Israel was to encounter God and and be uh, right with God, that God would dwell in their midst. And yet, as amazing as all of that was, through all of it, the tabernacle was just a tent. And so what about us? How are we to come into the presence of God? Because just like Israel, we too need atonement for sin, forgiveness for sin to be made right with God. And we need to be washed clean, cleansed, purified from unrighteousness. We too need a sacrifice and a high priest, one who can lead us through the tabernacle, back into the garden, into the very presence of God, the holy of holies, that we get to walk with him, meet him face to face and talk with God, that we get to come home like the wayward son and be embraced by our heavenly father. And so I just for a moment, want us to think through this story and see how the, the objects, the symbols are fulfilled in and through the work of Jesus Christ. You see, I hope you remember that at the start of John's gospel, in his prologue, he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And in that moment, he is showing us that Jesus is offering himself to us as a sacrifice. And that we, when we come to God, we don't come bringing ourselves. God is not inspecting us and our moral character and integrity and our righteousness. We, we have none. We, we come with nothing, but we come with a sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus is the lamb who is inspected. And he is found to be pure and blameless and spotless and sinless and holy. And because of that, It is an acceptable sacrifice. We are welcomed in to the presence of God. We are allowed to approach the throne of grace to go and stand even where angels fear to tread, the Bible tells us. But Jesus is not only the sacrificial lamb for us, but he is also our high priest. And so he has to be washed too, just like the The priests that served day after day, they had to be washed. Jesus was washed literally at his baptism. You remember he went down into the water and came back up and he said, I have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus as our sacrifice and as our high priest is able to take his blood that was spilt on the altar of the cross for the forgiveness of sin. And he is able to take the blood and sprinkle it onto the heavenly tent, the veil, that, and open up a new and living way for us into the very presence of God through the heavenly curtain that we now get to approach God. He did that in his death. And you'll remember on the account of Jesus' death that as he died, the, the curtain in the temple that was 60 foot high, three foot, uh, sorry, three inches uh, in, in thickness, was torn in two at the moment of Jesus' death, top to bottom. And, it, and this veil that separated us from the unapproachable holiness of God in that instant be, instant became a crumpled heap on the floor because Jesus has opened up a new and living way through his sacrifice because he is right now a, a, a high priest who is interceding on our behalf, saying, Father, I ransomed them with my blood. I've washed them clean. I've cleansed them. I've forgiven them their sin. Father, receive them. Welcome them home. They're mine. I purchased them with my blood. And because of this, the presence of God is now open to anyone who wants to come and encounter him and meet him. Because of this once and for all sacrifice, the heavens were rent open once and for all. This is the good news of the gospel that now through the death of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice and work as a high priest, you can come and stand in the very presence of the most holy God. And you are welcomed in. You're given an all-access pass. You're welcomed in as a son and a daughter into the presence of your heavenly Father, simply through receiving Jesus as the perfect sacrifice and receiving His righteousness. And in Jesus, we encounter the mercy and the glory and the Word of God and the holiness of God and the throne of grace because they all come together in the person of Christ Jesus. And as his people, we gather together and we share the bread and we get to pray and we get to encounter his life and receive his life as our own. And we get to enjoy worship and, the, and welcome his presence into our life, the very manifest presence of God right here Right now, in life, wherever you are, because we have been welcomed into the holy of holies because of this work of Jesus upon the cross. Let's just jump to the uh, verse thirty-three in chapter forty. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar, and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard, and so Moses finished. The work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Just like Moses, Jesus finished the work. You remember on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. And 50 days later, just in the same way. That the glory of God came and filled the tabernacle. The glory of God came like a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire, and came and filled a new temple, a living temple. The people of God, the Church of Jesus Christ, that is to spread out into every corner of the world in ever increasing glory. Because now in Christ and through Christ, the people of God, the Church has become the tabernacle of God. It has become the temple of God. We are his dwelling place. We are the people of his presence. And Jesus said of the church, you are the light of the world. You are to go like a lampstand and give light and bring life and hope into the world for all the world to see. Go and tell them that the way has been made that anyone can come home into the presence of God. And that's the invitation to you today. If you don't know Jesus, his invitation to you is come home. Come home. Come and find rest, true rest for your soul in his presence. Come and experience his life, his provision, and come and experience his presence, his manifest presence in your life, in prayer and worship, and in God's community, his family in the church. You can know his presence at work with you because Jesus gave his spirit to you, the presence of God to you and for you that you would know God and that your heart would desire him. And really that's also the other point of this story in Exodus. It's not simply that God desires relationship with us. But the story of the Bible, the story of Exodus is in fact that our deepest longings are also that we desire God. We desire life with God, whether we're a follower of Jesus or not, because there is something within us that desires, that longs for the, satisfying, uh, the satisfaction of the longing of our hearts. And ultimately, we're looking for God. Yet, all of us are great at wandering around in life, trying to find joy in anything other than God. Augustine, the early church father and theologian, he, this was a story of his life, looking for joy, looking for home in everything that the world had to offer and realizing that nowhere ultimately satisfied the longings of his heart. And he said this incredible uh, sentence, you made us for yourself, O oh God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Some of us, some of you may be listening today, feel that sense of restlessness. And I want to say to you that the presence of God, the person of Jesus Christ in your life and, and the gift of his spirit In your life, the the manifest presence of God is what you need, and it is the end of all your longings. And maybe you're looking for God in all the wrong places, but He is here before you today saying, Would you come and enter into my presence? Would you come and, and tabernacle with me, dwell with me? And He's saying, You will only find true rest when you find it in his presence. And the great news is that you can enter in because Jesus has made a new and living way. And all you have to do is receive him by faith and welcome him into your life. And he promises that he will come into your life. So I bless you with that this morning I'd love to invite you maybe for the first time to place your hope and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin, but for his plans and purposes and promises for your life and that he's got a place for you, which is home with him. Bless you guys.